Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Basketball is back, and Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. And as your continued source for all your sports wagering information, BetOnline features live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet all of your favorite sports and events. Whether that's NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, or even golf. Just head to BetOnline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure you use the promo code BLEAV, that is BLEAV, capital letters BLEAV, to receive your rewards, bet online where the game starts. Welcome in, everybody, to another edition of the Top of Thunder podcast. I'm your host, Dylan Hunzinger at Thunder Chats. We are part of the Believe Network. And in case you didn't catch it at the beginning, this episode is brought to you by betonline.ag. Um, so, guys, uh, it's just me today. A little peep behind the curtain. You guys know I love giving peeps behind the curtain. That sounded weird as I say that, but, like, it's it's late right now. <laughs> um, this is going to be a solo pod. It's just me, so... Um, but yeah, a little peek behind the curtain. Yesterday we planned on getting Dolan on the pod. Um, it's a Friday, uh, like usually like one or two Fridays a month. We try to stay up late or in my case set an alarm so we can get Dolan on the pod. You know, Dolan lives on the West Coast. Most of us lived on the East Coast, if not the Central Standard. Um, so, you know, it's just a way that we can kind of get Dolan you know, actively involved because for a while he was only able to come on for a couple pods, like really a season. So, you know, this was a way to get him more involved. And in the past, I have done similar. You know, he uh, he said that in order for him to be on, I just need to set my or I need to record at twelve thirty p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Some nights I'm already up, and like that's no big deal. And then nights, like last night, I was very tired. Like, I was actively tired. So I set five alarms, I believe, um, so I could, you know, make sure I'm awake. Because I'm kind of hard to wake up. Um, (laughs) It's getting up for work sometimes. Like, back in the day, I used to have to set, like, five alarms, you know, just to make sure that I can get awake. So that's what I was doing to make sure I could probably do one. So... Fast forward to, you know, later that night, you know, the game just ended. I still had like two hours till I had to record. So I went to sleep with a clean conscious, sleeping soundly, uh, you know, like as as comfortable as I could possibly have been. So I wake up at like four o'clock in the morning and I'm like, wait a second. What what just happened? And, of course, Dolan has texted me a million times. A million times. He only texted me a couple of times. but um, And I'm like, oh, crap. And I'll go and look at my alarms. Stupid me. I have set all my alarms 
for some time between 12 and 12.30 to make sure I'm up for 12.30. But I set them for p.m. instead of a.m. So I slept through my record time with Dolan, which I hate for him because, you know, he does set the time aside so he can record. You know, he likes being on the pod any chance that he can get, but it is hard with the schedule, so I felt bad for that. But also, I just felt stupid, man. <laughs> like, like, if it's after midnight, obviously it's going to be a.m., so that's my fault. Um, but yeah, that's that's why it's just me on the pod, and that's why this pod is coming out a day later than it usually does. So, um, without further ado, after I've gone on that soliloquy, just explaining what happened, um, I want to talk about the game that happened that night prior to you know my alarm clock mishap, and that was the Thunder versus the Raptors game. Raptors game. So this game going into it had a lot of fun implications. First off, Thunder was four and seven coming into this game, uh, riding a four-game losing streak after being on a four-game winning streak. And the Raptors were one of, I think they were the number seven defense in the league entering this game. Um, and they had all their guys, basically. They were missing Pascal Siakam, of course, but everybody else, they still had the makings of a really good defense. Much like, you know, the Bucks didn't play Giannis Antetokounmpo, but they still had the bones and the structure and the system of a really good defense and a really good team. And that's why, you know, those games are pretty so difficult to us, so... The Raptors, again, they were missing Siakam, but they were able to trot out Fred VanVleet, OG Ananobi, who's been playing really good this year, um, Scotty Barnes, and Chris Boucher, who ended up actually having a great night at 20 points. Um, but we'll get into the stats later on. But my point is, like, this, you know, yeah, the Raptors were missing Pascal Siakam. Pascal Siakam's been playing like crazy. But the Raptors still was able to like trot out a really respectable team, and so the other reason that this was like you know a game that a lot of Thunder fans were looking forward to is if you're on Twitter, <laughs> if you're on the internet, social media at all, uh, you have probably seen Shea Gilgeous Alexander photoshopped in a Toronto Raptors jersey, and like I'll, I'll tell you, man, like. It's one of the most annoying things of all time. It doesn't matter how many times Shea says he's happy. It doesn't matter how many times Shea says that he's excited about the future. It doesn't matter how many times Shea, you know, signs a five-year max extension with no player option at the end of it. Like, I can't stress that enough. Like, if you had, if you had a pinky toe out the door of Oklahoma City, you wanted to give yourself a clean out you would have put a player option in at the end of your contract. So that way, you basically give yourself an extra year. You give yourself another year to be like, okay, well, this, is, this isn't working. I want to get out early. And I want to, you know, maybe you do want to go play with the Raptors. Like, you know, I get it. Like, that's where you're from and everything. But he didn't do that. He signed up, five-year max extension, no player option. Luke had a player option. Trey Young had a player option. Guys in his draft class signed a similar contract, and they had a player option. Shea did not. Anyways, uh, so getting into kind of the game. Basically, you know, we were we were excited for this game. We really wanted to win this game for a multitude of reasons, and those were a couple of them. And spoiler alert, we did. We did just that. Not only did we win, we did so in 
very, very impressive fashion. Uh, we outscored the Raptors in this game, 132 to 113. We had 70 points in the first quarter. I mean, for, I'll call first quarter. Imagine that. The first half alone, uh, we outscored the Raptors in every quarter except for the fourth. And at that point, you know, we were we were you know playing our scrubs. Uh, I say our scrubs, but like everybody had a great game in this game, and you know we're going to talk about that as we kind of dive into the stats. So. First off, obviously, we were led by our fearless leader. The guy that the Raptors fans really want on their team, Shea Gildas Alexander, had 20 points, four assists, three rebounds, three steals, a block, um, shot great percentage-wise, 8-14, hit one of two from three, three or four from the stripe, missed yet another free throw, and frustrating, but... Holy crap, I don't want to know what's happening. Okay, <laughs> sorry. My computer just started singing to me, so I apologize for that. Um, but yeah, missing the free throw, so that was a little bit of a bummer, but we'll get into um, what that still looks like, uh, even with that missed free throw, three-pointers, all that. We'll dive deeper into Shea's stats here in a little bit, but yeah, I mean, he was just in control, man. Like, you could tell he wasn't, it's not that he wasn't, like, looking for his shots. You could tell that, it's not that he wasn't, like, deterred to, like, you know, taking shots because of defenders like OG and Anobi and Scotty Barnes. It was just the team was clicking in a way I haven't seen them click in this era so far. And, you know, as we kind of dive deeper into the stats, I tweeted this earlier today. I've I got to find it. I hope it's semi-easily to find. Okay, yeah. So the Thunder had a season-high... 31 assists on the night. That's just kind of a testament to how well they were sharing the ball. And it wasn't just the ball movement. It was the off-ball movement. You go all around the roster, man. Lou Dort, Aaron Wiggins, Jalen Williams, Santa, Kenrich Williams, Eugene Omaruyi, who we are going to talk about some. Even Josh Giddy and Poku getting in on the action, like cutting to the basket. Smart, timely, hard, sharp cuts to the basket. Uh, passing up good shots for great shots. Running out in transition. Like The Thunder were moving so well off ball. This, like, this is a testament. I didn't even see this until I'm looking at it right now. Everybody that played for the Thunder, with the exception of Isaiah Joe, who only played five minutes, was a positive in the box score. The lowest was Josh Giddy at plus eight. The highest was Lou Dort at plus 16. But everybody else was positive, man. And, I mean, you could really feel it on the court. Just the offense was as crisp as it has ever been. Shea was getting buckets when he needed to. Lugan Stewart came out and hit his first three three-pointers, which was a far cry from how he had played. He finished with 13 points, had seven rebounds, had two assists to boot. Um, he missed his next three-point attempt, but... Something that was important is I don't feel like he, you know, kind of went in chuck mode <laughs> as as he's been known to do. I think he was very, um, not conservative, but I think he was very uh, methodical in the shots that he took. Uh, he only shot seven last night, so, and he was plus 16, you know, for the game in 23 minutes of action. So, you know, maybe less is more on the offensive end with Dort, uh, you know, when your shot's not even when your shot's not falling, just, you know, when other things are working, why force it? 
Um, somebody that I was very, like, very, very impressed with was Alexi Pokashevsky, who had 14 points in this one, five rebounds, four blocks, and he had three turnovers. Now, these three turnovers, I believe, all happened in the first quarter. Um, I actually tweeted, it looks like Poku regressed a little bit in that quarter alone because, like I said, he had three turnovers in a quarter. Like, that's that's not good, like, by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but as people on Twitter who saw that tweet were quick to show me, like you were saying, because Poku went off in this one. Yeah, he only had 14 points. He only went 6 of 10, 1 of 2 from 3. But the four blocks, man. Like, Poku is a legitimate rim protector. Like, we're going to get into, like, league-wide stats here towards the end of it. But spoiler alert, Poku is a top 10 blocks. He's, he's in the top 10 for blocks in the NBA right now. I think he's tied for number nine, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, maybe number seven. I don't know. One of those numbers ring out. But we'll, we'll definitely get into that. But, yeah, like, he's really taken a step forward as a weak side rim protector. Um what was most impressive with me, man, was, I mean, like everybody else, like his off-ball movement was crazy. Like he was running out in transition, Giddy found him for just a beautiful alley-oop, uh, just getting out in front of the defense. Um, he had a couple plays where, one specifically, he beat Fred Van Vliet off the dribble and literally just like glided by Scotty Barnes and what was just like a ridiculous sequence. Um yeah, I, I was very impressed with Poku, and I think Poku sneakily before this game has kind of been our second best player behind Shea Gibbs Alexander for much of the year. Like if you're looking at a cumulative sense, um, but yeah, man, like Poku, Poku was looking good. So um, moving on to our next player, and uh, I, I do want to talk about Giddy because Giddy had 15 points, nine rebounds, five assists, two steals. He had seven turnovers, which e. You know, obviously we know Gibby trying some stuff, but seven turnovers, I wish that we could have cut that out a little bit. A lot of those wasn't even off of passes. A lot of those were just Toronto really getting after the ball, which, again, as we get into league-wide stats, I think Toronto has two, either the top two or two of the top three uh, steel leaders and Fred Van Vliet and OG Anobi. And, of course, Scotty Barnes' length is going to bother people, so... Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of no surprise, but he hit his only three-point attempt. He hit both of his free throws. He was 6-9 from the field. He had a ridiculous play towards the end of the first half where he got ISO with Chris Boucher, and I swear this man did 20 in-and-out dribbles with his left hand over and over again before he finally drove to the rim and finished with a layup. Like, it, it was the most clunky semi-flashy dribble combo I had ever seen that finished with a bucket like uh it, it was like if you're playing 2k it it's like you just held your thumb on the right stick over to the left over and over and over and over and over and over again before you finally hit right trigger and go forward to try to drive to the basket like i mean it, it was hilarious looking but to get his credit he you know he made the shot so you know as long as it works we don't care, it's fine. But something else that I was really interested with Giddy, you know, obviously talk about the uh, off-ball movement as well. Um, there was actually a play where Shea, like I, I said, this is a total role reversal because Shea whipped a one-handed skip pass to the corner to Lugan Stewart. 
blew, pump faked, attacked the closeout, drove in at an angle, kind of angling more in towards the key. Josh Giddy cut in from the opposite corner, and Lou Dort was able to hit him on the cut, and Giddy finished. So, yeah, Shea playing the Giddy roll passing, uh, Dort playing the Shea roll kind of driving, and Giddy playing the Dort roll cutting to the basket and finishing. Like, yeah, it was... It was role reversal, and it was so fun. It, it, it was so fun. Um, but the other thing that really impressed me with Josh Giddy is he low-key played really strong defense on Scotty Barnes. Um, Scotty Barnes finished the game with 15 points, but he did so on 5 of 13 shooting. And that's not all on Josh Giddy. But I need to stretch of the imagination. And I do think Barnes maybe even scored on Giddy a couple times, but... Giddy was holding his own out there. He was in the right spot. He wasn't being moved. He was, you know, he was being a disciplined defender. So I was very impressed by Josh Giddy in that sense. Um, the final guy we got to talk about in the starting lineup before we get to the bench is Aaron Wiggins, who started after I think three, three DMPs in a row, and Aaron Wiggins saved basketball. Man, <laughs> he uh, he had seventeen points in this one, seven assists, which was second for the Thunder which wasn't Shea or Giddy, surprisingly. Uh, seven assists, five rebounds, had a steal, had a block, and was a plus 13. He was 6-12 from the field, 1-4 from deep, 4-5 from the stripe. So he could have had an even better game if his shot was falling like it normally does. But again, man, like when you talk about smart off-ball, like a smart off-ball game, Aaron Wiggins is like the quintessential guy. Like his cuts are so sharp. They are so timely, and like he's so good at it, man. I can't even explain it. Like whether it's a backdoor out from the baseline, whether it's coming in from the wing with a driver, he's just so smart with it, and that's how he generated a lot of his points. He had one play in the, I believe it was the third quarter, where uh, he was dribbling the ball up the court on the left wing. OG tried to rip him. And uh, he just kind of spun off the steal, made OG look like a fool, drove in, kind of did a bounce pass, and then Santa did one of his many flushes of the night. So uh, Aaron Wiggins did a very nice move. Aaron Wiggins had a very nice game. And uh, I, the Thunder are undefeated when Aaron Wiggins plays. So uh, I'm not saying. Just saying, Mark. I believe that's correct. Let me let me actually fact check that really fast before I just put that out into the ether. Um, basketball reference, you are my only friend. Let's see what we got. That's not true. I have a lot of friends. He says with so much confidence that people actually believe him. Uh, let's see here. Okay, no, I lied. <laughs> when, Eric, when Aaron Wiggins starts, we win. There we go. I, I knew I knew something was fishy there. We got there, though. It's all good. All right, so, yeah. If Aaron Wiggins starts, we win basketball games. So, Mark Day, not. We got to start him. I don't know why I said Day, not like that. But, anyways, um, going into the bench. Now, this was interesting because the Raptors, again, they was missing Pascal Siakam, kind of plays her de facto center. Chris Boucher is a tall guy. They've got Bo Cruz and Juancho Hernan Gomez, who did get some run towards the end of the game. Um... Other than that, they don't really play a true center. So the Thunder kind of matched them in that regard. Uh, a lot of times they had Poku and Eugene Omarui as their de facto bigs. 
and they did a really good job. Like, you know, it, it was fun to see the Thunder kind of elect to play small in this aspect. And I talked about it, man. Eugene Omaruyi went out there and put on a show. Led the team in scoring. With Shea Gilgis-Alexander, a MVP candidate, All-NBA candidate, number seven scorer in the league on his team, Eugene Omaruyi was the leading scorer for the Oklahoma City Thunder off the bench, 22 points, 8-10 shooting, 5-6 from deep, 1-2 from the stripe. He had three rebounds, a assist, a steal to boot. And, man, Eugene was crazy. Like He was playing s- strong, solid defense. Absolutely put Fred Van Fleet in jail a couple times. Um, obviously, his shot was falling, which... You know, if if you've got a guy that has that kind of versatility defensively that can come in and really knock down a shot and, you know, just play smart basketball, that's huge. And I, I can't say enough about how much Eugene has really stepped up. You know, I kind of liked his play whenever we got to see him in summer league, you know, coming out of nowhere, signing this two-way contract. Nobody ever heard of him. This 25-year-old that played at Oregon for a while. Um that got in a fight with, I believe, Robert Woodard in Summer League a couple years ago. Um, But, yeah, man, like, just his physicality, his intensity. uh, He's smart with the basketball. He could do a little bit in terms of creating. And, obviously, you know, if he's able to shoot like this and defend like this, you know, we kind of talked about all offseason how we thought that Lindy was going to get his two-way converted to a real NBA contract. But at this point, if anybody's earned it, it's Eugene. So shout-out, Eugene, man. You uh, you really put on for us there. So uh, a couple other guys on the bench that played. Obviously, Isaiah Joe, I talked about it. He scored two points in his limited action. Um, got two quick fouls, you know, negative 11 in his five minutes. So... Uh, hasn't been able to replicate the magic that we saw in the Mavs game, but that's okay. I still like Isaiah Joe. He's got a cool name, and I think he can shoot the ball, so I still like him. Um, also, we got Trey Mann, who had 13 points in this game, three rebounds and assists, two steals, shot 5 of 13, 3 of 10 from deep. Uh, he was actually the only person on the Thunder, literally the only person on the Thunder to shoot less than 50%. Uh, the Thunder actually shot 55.9% from the field as a team, so that was super impressive. Um, yeah, I mean, Trey looked good. Like, he was, obviously, he was he was kind of chucking there in a little bit. Like, you know, shooting 10 three-pointers, a lot of those were off the dribble, and it's all right. You know, Trey's going to heat check. Or Trey, I said Trey. Trey is going to heat check. He's going to try to, you know, get buckets, get defenders off balance. And overall, like, I really liked his shot selection. Um, you know, his shot just wasn't falling as much tonight as, you know, it has some other nights. But uh, overall, like, you know, I thought he was able to, you know, really get some buckets uh, down the stretch. You know, he made some really tough three-pointers off the catch, off the dribble. And, you know, he's just a fun basketball player. So, shout-out Trey. Uh, Kenny Hustle come in doing his thing. 6.6 rebounds, 3-6 from the field. Misses only three. Would have been nice to see him hit a three. But, you know, it's okay. And then last but certainly not least, we've got Jalen Williams, a.k.a. Santa, a.k.a. J-Dub, a.k.a. It is the most wonderful time of the year. Santa's playing like it's December out there. Maybe it's because it started snowing finally, but this man 
had 10 points on 5 of 10 shooting, 0 of 5 from deep, which I'm not saying I'm getting concerned about his three-point shooting because this is 10 games into his rookie year. He hasn't even played 10 games. I think he's played three or four, if I'm not mistaken. Um, But, yeah, I mean, he was a guy that shot over 40% uh, in college. So I want to see that come around because – Obviously, he's able to stay on the court. He's able to play different roles. But if he's able to knock down three, like that's really going to help him. Um, but yeah, aside from his scoring, he had three rebounds and led the team in assists with 11. Had a double-double off the bench. I think it's first career double-double. Had a steal to boot on top of that. And yeah, man, like Jalen Williams, Santa's super fun, man. Like, I'm going to say it. Santa was in his bag tonight. Getting to the rim in transition, um, off the ball like everybody else was, absolutely exploding for a couple insane dunks, like climbing up the ladder and coming down the chimney on him. Like, Santo was all the way in his bag, and he was giving presents out to his teammates all night. So, uh, shout-out, Santa. Really, really excited to see what you're going to do in December because you're, you're killing it in November. You're just You're just getting ready for the big day. We know, we know. All right, guys, but yeah. That uh that, that kind of wraps up, you know, what happened in terms of the Thunder Raptors game. Um let's uh let's kind of dive into some league wide stats. So this is this is mainly a Shea section, but some other Thunder players might pop up in here. So um again, as I mentioned there in my rambling, um Shea, despite scoring twenty points, which you know, obviously Shea has been in the top 10 in scoring, I, I think, since the first game of the season. And I think he scored 19 against Milwaukee. Obviously, 20 against the Raptors. You don't love to see those kind of games bring down his average, but if you were going to pick a game to bring down his average, it would be this one because in the Milwaukee game, it was because, A, the tough defense, and, B, we were down so much that they pulled him late in the game. Uh, and this one... It's because we were up so much that they pulled him late in the game. And not only were we up so much, but other players were contributing so much they didn't have to have so much of a scoring burden on him in this game. So if his point averages are going to go down, this is how I want it to happen. Um, but with that being said, he's still number seven in the league in scoring. He is the last of seven players that are still in the 30-point range. Uh, John Morant has 28.8. Trey Young has 27.5. Devin Booker has 26.7. De'Aaron Fox has 25.9. You know, and it's <coughs> it means absolutely nothing. But it's just funny to me that three of the players that constantly get told that people constantly are saying are better than Shea uh, are, are right under him scoring. So I, I just thought that was funny. But, yeah. Shay, in spite of you know two sub, twenty or sub twenty point performances, is still with a thirty and a half uh, points per game range. So, shout out Shay. Um, going to his field goal percentage. So, Shay is actually twenty third in the league in terms of field goal percentage. Um, obviously, if you're looking at you know who's. Who's scoring high percentages? It's guys that are close to the basket. It's bigs. Um, if you scroll down through here, uh, De'Aaron Fox is actually shooting better than Shea, 55.1. Shea's at 53.9. So 
That's really impressive by Fox, I gotta say. He is shooting less attempts than Shea, 17.8, and Shea is shooting 21.1, so, you know, <coughs> less attempts, easier to be more efficient, but, um, yeah, Shea's, Shea's an elite finisher, as we know, top 25 right now, so. Going over to his three-point attempts, now, this, this is kind of wild, man, so, Shea right now on the season is shooting 2.73 point attempts per game on a 33.3% three-point percentage. <laughs> the percent percentage felt redundant there. I apologize. Um, it's very late. Um, on the three-point percentage, you know, it is encouraging to see that up. I think he was at 30% a couple games, and he just hasn't been taking them recently. Um, I think in the, the final Bucks game, he was 2 of 5, so 40%, and he was 1 of 2 last night, so 50%. So that helps boost him up. I want to see that keep going up. I want to see those shot attempts come up. You know, 5 in a double overtime game is not the amount, it's not the volume of 3s I want to see out of Shea. 2 in a blowout game isn't even the volume I want to see out of Shea. I do applaud him for not forcing it with his teammates cooking like they were. Um, but I do want to see more attempts because as you get into it, just looking at, let's see here. Okay, so you have to, the top 15 scorers in the NBA, which is Luca, Steph, Giannis, Donovan Mitchell, Jason Tatum, KD, Shea, obviously, Ja, Trey, Booker, Fox, PG, Jalen Brown, LeBron, and Desmond Bain. Out of the top 15, Shea has the fewest three-point attempts per game. Yes, he has more than Giannis, who is next at 3.3. Um, the very ne- the next one is actually Kevin Durant at 4.9, and then John Moran at 5.1, and De'Aaron Fox at 5.2. So yeah, Shea is at 2.73 point attempts per game. I want him to take more. It gets deeper than that. If you scroll down, the guys that have taken around that range are fewer than Shea. You got DeMar DeRozan at 1.5, Zion Williamson at 0.6, Anthony Davis 1.5, Jimmy Butler at 2.5 and just spoiler alert DeMar DeRozan and Jimmy Butler about the only guards you're going to see for the next 200 players in that range because after that you got Nikola Jokic at 2.3 oh I got to hit show more (laughs) Uh, you got Bam Adebayo at 0.3 DeMar Sabonis 1.1 Alper Shingun 1.2 uh, Evan Mobley at 0.9, Christian Wood 2.9, Mikael Bridges at 2.8, Aaron Gordon 2.8, DeAndre Ayton 1.7, Jonas Valanciunas 1.3. Even Scotty Barnes is shooting 3.9 a game. Jerry Allen 0.2, Rudy Gobert 0.2. Uh, 1.1 for Nurkic, 2.8 for John Collins, 0 for Jakob Pertl, <laughs> 2.8 for Kelly Olenek. Like, guards who have the ball in this generation's NBA, shoot the three-pointer. Shea's super efficient. He's been getting it done from the field. I understand that. I acknowledge that. I applaud that. He's not going to be able to take this team to where they need to go not shooting the three-pointer. Unless he gets like knockdown shooters around him, like, if he was able to get a Desmond Bain like John Morant has, sure, maybe. But he needs to take more threes. I'm not saying he needs to become a chucker or anything like that. 
just get those attempts up to five. John Morant shooting five per game. Like, absolutely. I want you shooting five per game. I'm not saying he needs to be Steph Curry shooting 12 a game, which he's shooting 44% on. Ridiculous. Uh, I'm just saying, you know, he needs to get those up a little bit. So, moving on. Uh, Shea is actually number two in the league in terms of free throw percentage. Um, at 93.8%, and that is with him missing one tonight. I think he missed one in the Bucks game. I think he's missed three or four total on the season. Um, so, in terms of guys that have shot at least two, Shea leads the league. Trey Murphy's at 95%. Uh, he averages 1.7 attempts per game. Um, but if you scroll... Uh, actually, I forgot what stat I was going to say. <laughs> okay, anyways. Um, Shea is actually only getting to the line the 12th most in the NBA at that 7.4 attempts. Guys ahead of him, Pascal, Ja, Paolo Bencaro. That's kind of crazy. DeMar, Jimmy Butler, Damian Lillard, Trey Young, Jason Tatum, Kevin Durant, Luka, and Giannis. He's not getting to the rim. I mean, to the rim. To the line as often as some of these guys, but he's he's knocking them down at a crazy rate. And I'm just saying that 50-40-90, I know he's got some work to do at the three-point line, but it's not out of the realm of possibilities. All right, now this is the crazy stat, and this is where um, I kind of mentioned this earlier. Yeah, okay, I was right. So OG Ananobi leads the league in steals, three, point, three steals a game. Insane. Fred Van Vliet's right behind him at 2.3 per game. Uh, if you go on down, so DeJounte Murray's at 2.3 steals per game, also tied with Fred Van Vliet. Tied for third in the league with steals, or fourth, I guess, in that metric, um, is Shea Gilles Alexander at two steals per game, tied with Jimmy Butler, and Luka Doncic, which I don't know why that just doesn't feel right to say, but yeah, Luka Doncic. Like, it's, it's very impressive that Shea is on this list so high like obviously he's been getting stocks all over the place um yeah two steals a game like he's continuing his off-ball defense uh Lou Dort actually you know talking about more Thunder players is uh number 13 in the league at 1.6 steals per game so shout out Lou but yeah Shea's, Shea's defense has been great and you know carrying that over to block Shea's 13th in the league in blocks um looks like he's tied for for whatever reason, they don't do ties and blocks. So let's see. That's five, six, seven, eight, nine. Shea is tied for ninth in the league in blocks. Tied with <laughs> wow. Tied with Evan Mobley and Rudy Gobert for blocks. Has more blocks than Giannis Antetokounmpo. That's that's wild. Um, speaking of OKC guys, Alex Pokashevsky. As I said, he's. Says he's number nine. Uh, he's actually tied for number eight in blocks with 1.6 per game. So, OKC, locking in on defense, getting some steals, getting some blocks. I like what I see. I like what I see. And, uh, yeah, that's that's all I got for those stats. So, before we close out this podcast, the solo podcast, in which I've been talking entirely too long, I hope you guys have enjoyed it, um, we're going to kind of dive into the next, mm, let, me, let me see here. So yeah, Sunday, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Yeah, we'll dive into the next four games because we're about to go on a four-game road trip. That's absolutely perfect. So tomorrow at noon, right before football starts, 
Uh, we go to New York at the Garden to play the New York Knicks. Uh, then on Monday, second I have back to back, we fly on down to Boston and we play at the TD Garden against the defending runner-ups of the NBA and the Boston Celtics. Then we go to Washington on Wednesday and we play the Wizards before we end the road trip Friday with a battle against John Morant, Desmond Bain, and the Memphis Grizzlies in the same arena that saw us lose a record by a record 73 points. Um, hopefully all our guys are healthy there. Like I really want to see a Shea Jaw battle. Like... I, I need it. I need it. All right, anyway, so if I'm predicting our record for this week, trying to be realistic, if I was being realistic, I would say 2-2. Two two. I think we can beat the Knicks. I think we can beat the Wizards. Boston, I don't necessarily think we can beat. In Memphis, I think we can beat, but if I'm being realistic, like they're a really good team, so I don't think we could beat them. But I'm gonna be optimistic. Um, you know, I liked so much what I saw in that Toronto game. I think I saw a lot of things that the team can build on. Um, honestly, I liked a lot of what I saw in the double overtime loss against Milwaukee. Like it was a different Thunder Thunder team in those two games than it was in the previous three L's to Denver, Milwaukee, and Detroit. So. If we could play a little bit more like that team and a little bit less like the other team, I think we could come out pretty of this road trip and be three and one, which would bring us to eight and eight, bring us back to five hundred for a three game homestand against the aforementioned Knicks, the aforementioned Nuggets, and Chicago Bulls. So yeah, I'm going three and one. I say we beat the Knicks, we lose to the Celtics because they are the Celtics. Uh we lose to the Wizards and Shea outdoor Sean Morant in Memphis, and it will be glorious. Yep, that's that's my prediction. That's my story. I'm sticking to it. Well, guys, that is all I got for today. Uh, I hope you all enjoyed the solo podcast. I hope you guys forgive me <laughs> for my for my alarm snafu with Dolan. Uh, Dolan, again, sorry if you're listening to this. Um, but, yeah, me and the guys will be back on Tuesday night recording. Um, looks like so we'll be talking about the Knicks and the Celtics game kind of previewing more of the Wizards and the, and the Grizzlies game. Get the guys' record prediction for those. And, uh, yeah, so that's that's all I got. I hope you guys have a great night. God bless. Hoop when you can. And, as always, Thunder up. Oh, my God. This has been Thunder Chats. Oh! Sorry. I almost forgot. Peace. Thank you for listening to the Topic Thunder podcast. Our podcast is available to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Play, or anywhere else you listen to your podcast. Be sure to leave us a five-star rating and a positive review, and follow us on Twitter, at OKC Topic Thunder. Thunder up! Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, 
you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.